The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. Golden Girl, Goldie from Russo's brand, all new brand, all new Realm Network. We are so excited because of the people on this platform, the pros, the pros, bro. And speaking of that, this pro, I got an announcement. Monday, August 2nd, 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. Join me, an all new television show on TLC Network. Call in the cheapskates. Guess what? I'm excited and I want you to join me, especially post-show. I want to know what you learned, what you were grossed out by. Here's your chance to be a heel and shoot all over me. I don't care. Just engage. Include the TLC handle, especially on Twitter and Instagram. Hashtag calling the cheapskates. And I'm going to go Coleman. I'm going to go trolling. I'm going to find the funniest comments. And I'm going to send you 100 bucks, PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, whatever, just to go do whatever you want to do. 100 bucks for 60 seconds or less of your time. Just a quick little tweet, a quick little Instagram. Get your friends to do it. I love you. I need your help. I'm asking, calling in the troops, brand power. Talk to you soon. Can't wait to see you after August 2nd, 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. Mwah. You got a You're always in good graces. Everybody talks good stuff about you. It's nice to hear. That's that's not always the case, especially when Jim Cornette comes up in conversation. <laughs> yeah, I've just decided to just not talk about him anymore. It is uh, Hepatitis Awareness Day is coming up. I guess they don't have a whole month, but they have a day coming up at the end of July. I think it's the 28th. And I remember when I had you on before, you were talking about just your journey with this and how it affected you. And I thought we, we talked about this like a year ago. I said, almost when July rolls around, I'd love to have you back on and just talk about your personal experience again, but concentrated into 27 minutes or less what you know about it. Um, I've been doing a little bit of research on it on the B and A, and I guess some people have it and don't even know that they have it. So when you got it, let's talk about how you got it some of the crap that you went through, did you know that you had it or how did you know that you had it? What's one that you had? And then what do you know about the other, other um, levels as well? That's what I want to have you on today. Well, A and E are, sorry, A and B, there is a vaccine for A and B. Yeah. So most people have the vaccine for A and B. Those are more easy to get. You can get those from, from like contaminated food and stuff, to my understanding. Really? Where uh, C is like, has to be blood to blood. So uh, if you're using a dirty tattoo needle or an infected tattoo needle, an infected razor mm -hmm. blade... Um, if you've had a blood transfusion before 1990, they didn't test for it in blood transfusions. So a lot of people that had blood transfusions before that time had it. That's crazy. Before 1990, they didn't test? Because it wasn't really that, that known of a disease. Did they test for HIV before then? 
I'm going to guess they must have. I don't know. I'm not an expert. I only know this because of my own experience. And it always, she always has the stigma of like the heroin drug user. But that's if you share needles. So, yes, you can also get it from sharing needles. In my case, it was from uh, a shared razor blade from a guy that had used a razor blade on himself and then cut me with that same razor blade. And this was timed in court 43 seconds later because after uh, a certain amount of time, it actually dies. So he cut me five times with this blade that he had cut himself with multiple times in the match. And it turns out he had known for at least 10 years by that point Mm. that he had hepatitis C. And a lot of people always get confused. They'll say stuff like, um, the guy's name is Abdullah the Butcher. He was in the, or he is in the WWE Hall of Fame, even though he never wrestled for the WWE. But people will get confused and say, well, why didn't anyone else sue him that wrestled him if he had it that long? Well, we actually had him on tape cutting me with the razor blade after he cut himself. That puts his blood directly into my bloodstream because you're you're taking it and it's been in you, then you're putting it in me. So that greatly increases the percentage of just two people that are bleeding from their own razor blade cuts with blood flowing outwards. The blood might never get into your system. I do know for sure uh, superstar Billy Graham, another WWE Hall of Famer, wrestled Abdullah nine times and Billy Graham had hep C and actually had a liver transplant due to hep C. But they never proved that he got it from him? No, because there was no... Like, it's just too complicated, and there he had many different bloody matches. But once Billy found out Abdullah had it, he certainly became interested because it was like, wait a minute, I wrestled this guy nine times, and now I have it. Maybe he's the one that I caught it from. Another guy that had it uh, was Jacques Rougeau, and both Billy and Jacques have been treated. And Jacques Rougeau, who was also in the WWE three-time WWE Tag Team Champion, former Intercontinental Champion. He had it as well. But in his years in WWE, they didn't even test for it. So, like, they only started really doing this. Some states had testing. Like, I believe uh, Oklahoma has it. Missouri has it. I think Kentucky might have it. There's only... uh, Oregon has it. And I think uh, there's, like, five states total where they still require blood tests to wrestle, which a lot of people are against commissions. But in my opinion, the people that say, oh, pro wrestling doesn't need commissions because it's predetermined. Well, if you ha- if I had commissions where I wrestled this match, this would have never happened. And we all, you've been in the business. There's some shady stuff that goes on in the business. Commissions could be a good thing to help with some of this shady stuff that happens. There, there's so much shady stuff that happens and there's shady stuff that happens in everybody's business. And right before we got on here, I got a call. It was just like one of those calls that just upsets you 
to your core, Hannibal, where you just want to like fucking just give up on life and go crawl in a hole. And I'm like, oh, I got was I had a podcast right before yours, and then this one. And you know, the booking agent just said to me, "Well, the next time something that like this happens to you at a show, you know, text me right away so that I'm like, you want me to fucking text you for the whole show since I get there, unload, play my show." Load up, pack up, and leave. Do you want me just to be blown up your phone? Because that's what would happen. It's like so many people say things to you like, oh, well, you should report that to HR. What, what fucking HR? What commission? There's so much shit going on. And I get so tired of everybody acting like, that's why I don't say anything. He's like, well, you should have told me this happened right away. I'm like, I'm, this shit happens all the time. I am yeah. verbally abused. I am assaulted at shows. I have people following me into restrooms. There is no green room at a lot of these clubs. It's just piss or hold it or find a bottle or do whatever. And there's no protection going wherever. What am I? You know what I mean? My guys are busy. I'm not going to have them like up my ass following me everywhere. And even if they were, it's not going to stop half the stuff that goes on. There's so much crap that people would have. And if, if normal people knew what goes on in, in, in entertainment, sports entertainment, they would just be like, oh, like, how do you? It's like, well, you just either do it or you don't because there is no regulated people. There's nobody to help you. Like, I just yeah. laughed at my booking agent. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, well, if you're going to get raped, you should have said something. I'm like, what am I going to say? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. drunk, powerful men tried to hold me down. You know, luckily, I've got some skills and got out of it. But. And then here's the funny thing about that story is that night I didn't say anything on the mic. I didn't make a scene. I went about my business, but apparently I wasn't nice enough to some guests and that got back to management. And then they're like, we don't want you to come anymore. I'm like, why? And they're like, well, apparently you had some choice words. I'm like, oh, the people that tried to rape me. Well, why didn't you say anything? I'm like, why would I, what's the point in saying anything? Just show must go on. We do our business and whatever. So I'm thinking about the commission, what you're saying, and I'm thinking even about the other guy got hepatitis C before you did. You said, what was the guy's name, the, the wrestler? Oh, Billy. Oh, Billy. Abdullah the Butcher. He had it for 10 years, and he was, was wrestling Billy. everywhere. But Billy had it before you did. Oh, long before long before I did. But the, the one thing where I had the advantage, also where it goes to how did I, I catch it and so forth, for one thing, there's various different strains of hep C, and we both had genotype 2, which was the same strain. But for another thing, I was tested the year before that match, and I was negative for everything because I had just come back from my first tour of wrestling in Puerto Rico, and my girlfriend at the time wanted me to have full blood tests. So it was a good thing she asked me that because if I hadn't done that – Hep C isn't normally something you would even uh, be checked for unless the doctors notice some abnormalities in your liver um, or if it was for a commission. So I was lucky, whereas he his record showed he had it for at least 10 years. My record showed that the year before the match where he cut me with the razor blade, I didn't have it. And in a civil court, you have to prove what's more likely than not. And actually, he wasn't actually found guilty of uh, passing me hep C. What he was found guilty of was negligence, assault, and battery, which was whether he passed it to me or not, he was negligent, knowing that he had it 
And you don't have to be a brain surgeon to know, hey, if I have this, I shouldn't be cutting myself and then cutting other people and assault. He didn't ask my permission. Everyone, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that from the last. Oh, time. bro, he never asked my permission to cut me. I never gave him consent. So how does I was that already happen? bleeding from my own cut. He just wanted me to bleed more. So what? You're just down on the ground. He just like covers you and cuts you. He was choking me. We were like choking each other in the corner, and the video is on. It's on all over the internet. But the way he blades. Everyone does it differently, but he would tape the blades to his finger. So when he had me, he just went like that. And you could see him doing the slices, and we did it in slow motion. And then you can see the fresh blood coming out of my head. Um, So And so there was the assault. He didn't have my permission. And a lot of people out there are funny because people always like to call wrestling fake. And one of the excuses people will make is, oh, you were wrestling Abdullah the Butcher and you didn't expect to get cut. You're an idiot. Well, he's not from the Sudan. He's from Windsor, Ontario, Canada. He now lives in Atlanta. He had a restaurant. (laughs) You're not going in there wrestling somebody named the Butcher and expecting, like, to actually be cut because wrestling's fake. You're just playing... uh, a role. So the whole, their whole hypothesis that you should expect to be cut wrestling somebody named Abdullah the Butcher is just stupid. It's Who's not real. Who's that? The Marks? Like who? Yeah, well, that, that's what the Marks will tell you. But, but the bottom line is it ended up going to court. How I found out that I had it was, was unfortunate because I had been, I'd always wanted to be a wrestler and I actually turned down like athletic scholarships out of high school because I was a national champion in amateur wrestling out of high school and state champion and so forth. So I had two full rides, which I turned down because I, all I wanted to do was be a pro wrestler and I had invested my life to become a pro wrestler, I moved. I trained with Jacques Rougeau in Montreal. I trained with the Hearts in Calgary. Wrestled in England by that time. Wrestled in Puerto Rico. Never made any money. It only cost me a lot of money. Uh, I was bouncing the whole time to pay my bills and doing security. So finally, after being used as an extra by WWE 14 times, I hadn't given up. I kept going back. They finally gave me the contract and signed me. And then when I do the medical, we find out I have hep C. And because I have hep C, my contract is being rescinded. So at the time, the hep C was secondary. It was like, this is what I devoted my entire life to. And now I don't get, I'm not getting it. And oh, and by the way, you have a disease that's going to kill you if you don't get it treated. So it was a dark, dark time for me, a dark several years, because I immediately went on the first treatment, which in Canada, the first treatment is covered. And even though I was testing negative while I was on the first treatment, Uh, you're not declared cured unless you're still negative six months after. 
So I went through terrible side effects. Uh, by the way, there's way better treatments out now because this was in 2009. Um, and it came back in 2010. So that was, I was actually positive after going through the first treatment, which I'd lost 45 pounds. I, it, there was a lot of side effects. I had a mini stroke. Oh. I was depressed because the, in, it, the first treatment was interferon and ribavirin. And interferon actually has one side effect that is suicidal tendencies. It's very, um, a very harsh medication. But anyways, it came back. And it sucks because I was so confident that I was cured because the doctor, because I was testing negative the whole time, that I had even booked myself an MMA fight for like the month after I was cured. Because my whole goal was, okay, I'm going to prove that I'm going to get cured. It's hard to get an MMA license, so I'm going to get licensed to fight MMA. Then I'm going to show that MMA fight to WWE, and they're going to take me back. So I was, I walked into that doctor's appointment where I was going to get those tests, like on a complete high. I was thinking it was all over with. And that's when he said, I'm really sorry, Devin. But it's back, and because you had such harsh side effects from the first treatment, normally what they would do is put the same person on for a year rather than just six months. They didn't want to put me back on. So he said, you're going to have to wait now up to eight years until a new treatment comes out. And I'm thinking, I think I was 27 at the time, I'm like, eight years like, that's going to be my entire wrestling career gone. Because in these days, I was still obsessed with wrestling. Well, I had no other job I ever thought I was going to do. But uh, anyways, I didn't take no for an... I was I was extremely depressed. I'm at... Well, while I may not have actually tried to kill myself, I certainly uh, behaved in some ways where I'm lucky I didn't die. I was, like, living on the edge a little bit because I just didn't care anymore. But eventually, I was I was a personal trainer at this time, and the one of the clients I had confessed my story to. I wasn't public about having it at this time because I was ashamed, as most people are, uh, which is why I take offense to some people that I won't name that still like to to paint people with that Hepsi brush as if they're less than than a normal person. Which, which is a terrible stigma to put on people because that's what's going to make some people never get treatment. But, uh, oh, Road Warrior Hawk even had it at one point. So, like, lots right. of wrestlers have, have had it. But but basically, I received some advice. One of my uh, personal training clients, her husband, was he had his medical degree and he was also a lawyer. And by the way, I'd, I'd started the whole legal case against Abdullah back then. Back, I, I started it in 2010. So 11 years later, it's still it's still in the collections phase, and it's still costing me money. But at this point, uh, he still hadn't provided us the blood work. We were still trying to get it, which was a pain. And in the meantime, the doctors were telling me I couldn't be treated. So this guy 
who, as I said, he had his law degree and medical degree. I had a lot of respect for him as a smart person. He said, Devin, at this point, you're depressed. What the hell do you have to lose? Go public about your story. And maybe someone will come out of the woodwork to help get you treatment faster than the eight years that they want. And at that point, I thought about it and I'm like, well, I may as well. And I had a, a friend, this was before I was in the video industry. There's actually, there's been multiple documentaries made about my story, but the first documentary we put out to kind of announce it, because we didn't just want to, there was a bit of a backstory to it. So we put out a documentary called Don't Bleed On Me that kind of revealed my whole story and the whole fight we were going through at the time with Abdullah not providing his blood test because Abdullah at this time was saying he didn't have it. And I was lying, but he was not providing any blood tests. So what happened in the making of that don't bleed on me documentary, I actually knew from Billy Graham's book that he had it. So he was one of the people that I put in the documentary. There was numerous WWE legends. There was honky tonk man, Billy Graham, Lanny Poffo, uh, Sylvain Granier, who was in WWE, was in there too. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, because they were giving credibility in the documentary as well that Hannibal was a good wrestler. He could have made it. This really screwed him over. Um, so it told my story and it had huge reaction. And the most important thing that came out of that is I became friends with, with Billy Graham and he was having his hep C treatments from the Mayo Clinic in Phoenix. And they have some of the best doctors in the world. Canada's medical system is free. And it's you get what you pay for with Canada's medical system. So one of the things I didn't mention is once I got into the legal process, and I didn't think of this at first, and this is, this is probably the reason why I still have heat with WWE, my lawyers uh, told me that it's actually against human rights to discriminate against an athlete based on hep C status. So because WWE technically to this day, they still have a no blood policy in effect that they've had since 2008, where if accidental bleeding occurs, matches are supposed to be stopped and there's no more intentional bleeding. They put this policy into effect after Bob Orton Jr., who had Hep C, bled on The Undertaker in a Hell in the Cell match. And when The Undertaker found out, he flipped. And then they, they put this policy into place, no more intentional bleeding. And, and if accidental bleeding occurs, matches are going to be stopped. So by the way, Undertaker didn't get it. Because as I said, it's hard to get by just getting the blood on you. It has to go actually into you. But um, because in theory, if they're going to stop matches, if blood happens and there's no intentional bleeding, why are you saying I can't wrestle for you? So there was a, uh, a lawsuit filed related to that, which was settled. And I can't discuss the terms of the settlement other than the settlement allowed me 
to pay for this other treatment that Billy Graham helped hook me up with. He got me an appointment with his specialist in Phoenix where they actually took a liver biopsy of my liver and they found out that, yeah, it had already taken effect on my liver and it was pretty important that we get this out of me because it can cause liver cancer, liver failure and death if not treated. And every day it's in your system, it's eating away at you. So this is not something you want to put off being treated for if you have it and are watching this do everything you can to get treated so what happened was the doctor said he would treat me in phoenix but first i took all of the information that the phoenix doctor gave me his name was dr hector rodriguez he's still one of the top liver specialists in the world so i'm forever in debt for billy for hooking me up with him i took the information back to a different liver specialist I had in Canada because when that other specialist told me it was going to be eight years, I had already kind of crossed him off my list and gone to someone else who was more eager to find a solution for me. Wouldn't you be dead in eight years? I don't know if I'd be dead, but it would, it, it, it was not as long. I didn't want to wait that long. I really did not want to wait that long. I, I can't I was somebody would say that to you. Like that just doesn't even seem like a feasible option. In the end, he was right. Eight years, way more easier treatments came than the treatment I did. So from his standpoint, the treat the the first treatment side effects were so bad. As I said, it caused a mini stroke that he thought that, that putting me back on that treatment might actually kill me. So that was his. So anyways, I took the the findings back to my other doctor. She said, well, it's not going to be covered by the government because it's experimental, this treatment that he suggested. But if you pay for it, we'll be willing to put you on it here in Canada so you won't have to live in the U.S. to do it, which would, of course added a hell of a lot more financial stress. So we got approved uh, to to take it. This, by the way, this experimental medication was never actually approved for my genotype because the side effects were too much and the cost was too much. It was $80,000. How'd you come up with that? As I said, there was a settlement related to WWE that was the only way that I was able to uh, to cover that. Otherwise, I would never have been able to cover it. I mean, I can't discuss the details of it, but it was bit. There was no uh, there was no uh, magic huge number that was going to set me for the rest of my life. But I was able to thank God pay for pay for my treatment. But so this was interferon again. Damn it. There goes my camera. Keep talking. Yeah. Ribavirin, which I was on the first time, but this was double the dose of ribavirin and also Incivec. So there was, there was terrible side effects. Uh, The worst side effect was the itching caused by the Incivec. It caused severe bug under the skin type itching all over your body, which... I guess the uh, the worst part about the itching is it just never went away. 
So you couldn't, the other side effect that I forgot to tell you that interferon causes is insomnia. It's almost impossible to sleep. My God. And like, let's say you're not going through any of the other side effects. Yeah. Just try not sleeping for four days. Really? And see how much fun your life is. Um, but anyways, there, there was several points where the itching was becoming unbearable. And there was one where I literally had to go to the hospital and say, I'm going to kill myself if you don't give me something oh my God. to subside this itching because I cannot take this itching anymore. Like it was like your entire body was itchy. I can't even describe like every inch of your body. So at that point, they gave me some type of sedative to just <laughs> to knock me out on that day. But I remember that. That day was by far the worst. And when you had uh, a shower or anything, it would activate the itching even more. Oh, my God. So it would make, like, you would dread when you had to have a shower because, like, there was something about water that would that would cause the reaction to be even worse with the itching. So it was horrible. But through this medication... I realized how important it was to actually finish the treatment. This was 36 weeks instead of just 24 weeks. So this was the worst 36 weeks of my life. During that time, um, my regular job also fired me, which actually is illegal. So this is a dark time for you. Yeah, no. So I was already going through financial hardship having to pay for this medication. Yeah. And then I lose my job. And luckily that job had a union. I eventually got it back, but it took me two and a half years to get the job back because you can't actually fire someone when they're going through that type of medication. So it was it was bad, um, terrible. There was so much. I lost friends during that time. Jesus. So much so much bad stuff happened. But I got through it. And it was actually during that time that I actually started to learn how to video edit. Yep. So some good came out of it because because uh because of all this, I I learned how to video edit. So and I did get cured, thank God. I stopped the treatment, I think, in June 2013, and I was declared cured in December 2013. And four or five times since then, they've retested me, and it's just that. reconfirmed the cure. The only way I could get it back is if I'm reinfected. Yeah, so, so you go hang out with the, the butcher. God. I yeah. Just, the story is so infuriating. It's just... The, the sad part is he hasn't even paid a penny. He hasn't even attempted to pay a penny. And what's what happened was because he lives in the U.S., we we won the legal situation related to it in June 2014. He was declared guilty, as I said, and he not only had to pay for my medication, um, but it was also related to there was a whole I had to hire an actuary to calculate uh this is how they do it in court how much would i have made in wwe on average they look at averages because i had a three-year open-ended contract i never had the chance to prove how good or bad i would have done in there 
So they had to look at averages. So they found like uh, part of what he had to pay was the lost earnings. But he ended up paying nothing because by the after we won in Canada, we had to get the judgment endorsed in the U.S. to make him have to pay in the U.S. because he 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 certainly didn't offer to to pay the Canadian judgment. And in that time, he had four U.S. properties that he either transferred or sold, which is called fraudulent conveyance. You can't sell or transfer properties when you have a judgment against you. So now... How is that even possible then? He did it. Well, now there's a... Now there is... um, another lawsuit against him and his co-conspirators over the fraudulent conveyances. And this lawsuit is basically saying he wasn't legally entitled to transfer those properties because of the judgment. So those properties are technically mine. So it's, it's just, as I said, there's been over a hundred thousand dollars in legal fees, probably near 200,000 from this legal situation that started in 2010. I haven't got one penny for it, but I will keep at it until he dies because of what he did to me. (laughs) I'm not going to let that go. I wish that I just had some extra money to just give you right now to fight for that because that just, you know, you like, I didn't, I didn't know the first time that we talked about this, that it was assault. Like I thought that it was something that you guys kind of planned and knew that was going to happen. I guess maybe I missed that or maybe you didn't mention that the first time. Like that's, what's really jacked up about the whole thing. No, because I've, I'm not denying that I've never bled before. I know how to blade myself my double blood matches were with him after I tested negative. That's why we had such a good case. And no, I never asked him to bleed. I was already bleed, bleeding from my own cut. He wanted more blood. But the, th- the thing is, even in wrestling, some people are squeamish and ask the other guy to cut them if the promoter wants them to bleed. The guy won't cut them with the same blade he used on himself. <laughs> That's just crazy. And the dumbest thing is, and I've said this to my lawyers, it's like he knew he had it since at least 1997. He could have still wrestled and the other guy could have just bled. Exactly. He could have just forked them. It was him bleeding and the sharing of the blades that caused the transmissions. He could have said, well, I don't bleed anymore. Uh, but the other guy can bleed and I'll still do my fork gimmick. And it would have yeah. been a lot safer, but complete he insisted. Negligence. Complete complete negligence and just uh, a lack of anything. I, I just, it's, I'm disgusted by it. You know, I was reading about hepatitis A and it's saying like people, they get it. They may feel sick for a few weeks or a few months, but they usually completely recover and it doesn't cause like a lasting liver damage but it said it's found in uh, ep- the hepatitis a virus is found in the stool in the blood of people who are infected and can spread when someone ingests the virus usually through eating contaminated food or drink or close personal contact with that infected person um, it says hepatitis a is very very contagious and people can spread it um, before they even get the symptoms 
However, it's easily prevented and safe with the vaccine. So you're saying that, you know, A and B again has a vaccine, that there are vaccines for this. So like people should listen to their, their bodies. And if something doesn't seem right, this is the biggest problem with any disease or any infection is that you, you got to go get it checked out. And that's why I'm always harping on everybody, especially in the, you know, independents and independent contractors, musicians, workers, like get, get insurance. And if you're not making any money, you can get insurance through marketplace in the U S uh, my insurance is super, super cheap just because I, I get tax credits because especially I wasn't working that much during, um, during COVID. So don't, don't wait until there might be a problem before you go get checked out for things. And you people listening, you know, your bodies, you know, when things aren't right, you know, when you're getting the sniffles or a tickle in the back of your throat, you know, when you're getting the flu or a cold, I sure as hell knew I had COVID when I pig over here, couldn't taste anything. You know, all my treats, I'm like, I don't even enjoy these. I, they tasted bitter at first and then it went to nothing. And that's where I was like, I went to get tested, but I already, I just told him I, I have it, you know, and sure enough, I, I tested positive for it because you know your body. So don't be afraid like my friend's mom who waited until her breast tumor was the size of an orange, you know, coming out of her tit to go get tested because she was just so afraid of what she was going to find. Well, too bad you didn't go earlier because you died. You know, she passed away because she waited too long. So I applaud you for getting getting on it and, and, and taking the bull by the horns and figuring things out. And I wouldn't give up on your quest either if it costs you money, especially, you know, keep in touch with that lawyer. I'm sure that you do that. The doctor, the, the personal training um, client that you had, her husband or whomever, and, and seek counsel where you can and tell your story and talk to people. This is for anybody. Yeah, there's one more thing I should bring up too that made a difference. And I couldn't have done this if I wasn't public during the 36-week treatment because I was public about it. I had so much compassion from fellow people that had it that were messaging me on, on Facebook and so forth. Yeah. And helping me through it. And by the way, C cannot be passed from ingestion and can only be passed through sex if blood is involved in the sex. Okay. Where A and B can be passed through sex and ingestion more easier. Just because you brought that up, I just wanted to clarify that for people that don't know. No, I appreciate that. And, you know, we went over our time. I just thank you so much for your time and sharing your story again. I know you've shared it numerous times, but every time you do, it's a new platform and new people. I can share the same stuff on my wall and every month new people show up and new people see it. So really, really appreciate that. I don't know what happened to my damn camera. It bagged out on the last podcast, but we got a, we got some great information out of you. So I appreciate you. This is uh, Goldie's Closet episode 124. I had a few people get bumped because we have to have this fall on the week of the day, July 28th, which is Hepatitis Awareness Day. And we've gotten some really great knowledgeable nuggets today from Hannibal. And remember to not pass judgment and to listen to your body and get it, get things checked out when things don't seem right. Hannibal, thank you so much for your time. I'm, I'm sorry that that all happened to you. I would have loved to have seen you wrestle more. And um, I am glad that you learned the tricks of the trade so that you can do what you're doing now because we all know that the wrestling stuff kind of runs its course and your body gives out after a while. So... I'm sorry that that didn't happen the way that you planned it, but I am glad that the gift, the gift from the wound, so to speak, that you get to do what, what you want to do with this. 
Exactly. Uh, I may never have learned how to do this. And who knows, my career maybe have only been three years in WWE. I doubt it. I doubt it. So anyways, thank you. And subscribe to the Hannibal TV on YouTube. Anyone watching this, we're on all social media at the Hannibal TV as well. And if you do have uh, have any type of hepatitis or hep C, get it treated. And if one doctor doesn't want to treat you, and people tell me this all the time, people still approach me about it because I'm a public person of having it. And they ask my advice. My advice is keep going to a doctor that will treat you. And if you don't have medical insurance, message the drug companies themselves. A lot of the times they'll find a way to get you on the treatment one way or another. Or doctors, for the people that don't finish their medication, sometimes doctor people, those people will have to return their medication to the doctors and the doctors will just keep it. And if it's not expired, they'll give it to people that can't afford it. They've told me that themselves. Wow. So there's ways of getting it. Just keep do do whatever you can to get it. Uh, that's that's probably the hugest thing that you said this whole time. And I also did a very poor job of you're saying subscribe to the Hannibal TV. It's on YouTube, correct? We're on YouTube, yeah, and on Facebook now. We post most of our videos as well on Facebook at the Hannibal TV as well. And that's free, you guys. So he's not even saying like it's a Patreon or it's a paid platform. Like this is a no-brainer if you're listening to this and you got nuggets. Even if you didn't, go sub to his page. Um, we thank him for his time, but that's that's going to be a huge thing for him if you can go do that. So I'm going to make sure that I put that right in the description because that's really, really important. All right. We'll what, you- four interviews with you on there that people oh, could check? Yeah. Me running my mouth. And, and, and pertaining to that, I'm going to hang up. I'm going to restart my computer so that my freaking camera works. And I'm gonna, we're going to hop over on your platform for just a second. And people can find that again on YouTube, on Facebook, go sub to the Hannibal TV. Calling all cheapskates. What's up? It's your golden girl, Goldie. It's a big week coming up and I want to include you in the excitement and the fun. Are you hungry? So I want to buy one person every day this week, maybe even this weekend, lunch on me, your golden girl. All you have to do is fill in the blank with your best gift or meme. I've never been as cheap as when I fill it in. I want to know how cheap you really are or your spouse or your partner, whoever. Let's talk about being cheap. Make sure you include in your post. August 2nd, Monday night, 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. Hashtag call in the cheapskates. Yours truly at Goldilocks Rocks. And go ahead and include TLC's handle. There's some cheap people out there. And you know what? It's pretty sexy. <laughs> Join me Monday, August 2nd, 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. I want to treat a golden peep each day to lunch on me because I'm just pumped up, fired up, and excited. Can't wait to see you Monday, August 2nd. Let's do this.